Good evening, welcome. It's good to see you all here and welcome if you're joining us online. Uh, We're going to start our service today with two songs. The first is Meekness and Majesty, then we're going to to go straight into From the Squalor of a Borrowed Stable. So, when the music starts, let's stand up and sing.
Oh Lord our God, we ask that you will open the eyes of our hearts so that we can get and understand just how amazing what we've been singing is. Just how amazing the truth we expect to hear is that the God of glory, the God whom angels worship, came here and was born in a stable. And even though angels came to tell of your coming, so few people recognised you. And yet, you came. And yet, you came for your people. And Lord, we thank you that you gave up all that glory, all that majesty, And for each one of us who belong to you, you, we can say that you gave it up for me. And you didn't just give it up for a life, a quiet life here. Oh Lord, you, you suffered, you were rejected. You were punished. You were killed. Oh Lord, we thank you for your love. And we ask, Lord, that what we know about you in our heads will make a difference to our hearts. We pray that there will be a sense of love to you. A sense of looking for you to come back. A sense of running towards you. Because we love you because you love us. Oh Lord, we pray that you'll be with us tonight. We pray that our worship will be pleasing to you and we ask that you'll be speaking to us. Amen. So we have two Bible readings. Uh, The first is before our next song and is in Philippians chapter 2 and is in the, the first 11 verses. So, Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 reads, So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy, being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only on his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who although he was in form of God, did not count equality with God, a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him, and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven 
and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Going to sing and then after that we'll have our next reading.
Our second Bible reading you will find in Hebrews chapter 2 and it is verses 10 to 18 on page 1002 in the Church Bibles. For it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers, saying, I will tell of your names to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation I will sing your praise. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children God has given me. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Because, for because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Thus reads God's word. Thank you, Roger. Let's pray again. Father, we thank you that as we come to you again, we have Jesus. And that because of Jesus, even though we have much to be ashamed of, we know that the price has been paid for our sin so that we are forgiven and free, so that we can come into the presence of the Heavenly Holy Father and bring our requests to you. Oh Lord, we thank you that Jesus came. We thank you that he knows what it's like to be here. And we're so glad that you tell us to cast all our cares on you. And Lord, you know in the group of the people that are here, we have so many different needs, so many different cares. And we bring them to you now because you are great and you are mighty and you know and you love us. Oh Lord, we are so glad that our God is so great, so strong and so mighty that there is nothing that you can't do. So we bring to you the things that we cannot do. We bring to you the things that we do not understand. 
And we trust you that when you say that everything works out for the very best, for those who love you, that you mean what you say. And we pray especially for those who are having a very hard time of it at the moment. We ask that they will have confidence, that they will know your presence and your help and your peace. And we ask that that peace will be something that we all want more than anything. That sense of rightness with you, of belonging to you, of the truth that you have got it in your hands. And that you have got us in your hands. Lord, we know that in Gaza at the moment there are Christians who are sheltering from bombs. And we pray that as they are a minority that's despised by their Muslim neighbours, as they are apparently not existing in the eyes of the Israelis. Oh Lord, we ask that you will give them the comfort that their Heavenly Father knows, that their Heavenly Father is in control. And we pray, oh Lord, that they will know your peace. And we ask that you will deliver them. And we pray that you will deliver all those who are persecuted because they love you. Oh Lord, there are so many, in so many places. Father, you know. Oh Lord, we ask that you will relieve their suffering, that you will be with them, and that they will have a sense that what they are going through is bringing great glory to you. But we don't just pray for our brothers and sisters. Oh Lord, we pray for all the innocents who suffer. Oh Lord, we pray that you will stop the plans of wicked men and women. Whether that's the bloodthirsty, the greedy, the haters, who use violence to get their own way. Or whether it's the devious, the twisted, the exploiters who use people and destroy people for their own ends. Oh, we pray, Lord, that you'll have mercy. And we ask that you will be turning hearts to you. Oh Lord, we we don't deserve you to be good to us. But this world never deserved Jesus to come. Oh Lord, we ask that our hearts will be filled with gratitude and we pray that people will see more. 
We ask, Lord, as John comes to teach us from your word, that there will be a sense of your presence and your power, that we will be able to get a little more of the wonder of what you've done. And that it won't just be something we understand a bit more, but it will be something that makes a massive difference to the way we live our lives. Amen. Well, we're going to sing again. Um, And we're singing of the richness of Christ and what he gave up for us. So when the music starts, let's stand and sing. we've been singing have been a a great commentary really on what we've been thinking of this evening so I hope you have uh, really found the the benefit of singing such wonderful truth as we've sung through our songs and the title for this evening the theme is the humility of Christ Um, also perhaps could be known as the humiliation of Christ a phrase which occurs sometimes in some of the books 
the humiliation of Christ. Slightly deeper and richer uh, title, perhaps, or we could call it more simply the, the lowliness of Jesus. The lowliness of Jesus. A couple of Sunday evenings ago, we thought of some of the words which described uh, Jesus coming into the world. I enjoyed that evening. I hope you did if you were here. And we had came and became and sent and gave. And in a way, this could add a, a fifth or related to some of the others of came down. He came down. The, the descent of Jesus. And some descents are gradual, aren't they? You barely notice them. You know, maybe sometimes on the motorway you're going along, not quite sure if you're going uphill or downhill or level. Um, other times there's a tremendous drop. If you've been on a roller coaster, you have a tremendous drop downwards and descent. Well, here we're thinking this evening of really the biggest descent ever. The humiliation of Christ, the humility of Christ. And as we do so, we're going to really uh, explore this and and we're going to be thinking of a a couple of things. I'll tell you them both at the outset to get your mind going. This is really how I want us to react or respond to what we look at this evening. One is to be staggered, to have a sense of wonder, a sense of worship, a sense of thankfulness. Uh, But the other thing related to the passage we're chiefly looking at is that we might challenge to be similar. To be similar. Verse 5 is where we're starting in Philippians 2 and that's got a practical outcome as we shall see. So I hope that we feel we will be staggered and I hope that we'll feel encouraged to be similar this evening. I don't know how you find being humbled or humiliated. I don't really like being humbled or humiliated. In little ways I can cope with it, but uh, uh, the bigger they get, the more difficult I find it. Perhaps it is with you. Um, it's perhaps a, a bit odd what put me onto this theme. I'll explain it. Um, Often on a Friday evening, Esther and I play uh, Chinese checkers later in the evening. It's been a habit for many years. And uh, I don't know if you know the game, I I don't need to explain it. But basically, if you play it with two of you, you can have three colours each. And we play each other with Chinese checkers. And uh, uh, Esther usually wins overall. Um, And that's okay, I can cope with that. Um... But sometimes she comes first, second and third with her colours and I come fourth, fifth and sixth. And I find that hard. I'm 54. I love my wife very much. I've been a Christian a long time. I don't throw a temper tantrum. It's not that extreme. But I still find it hard. Deep down, I feel humiliated. And maybe they're similar for you. You... You're not, you're not really a very bad loser. It's not a case of if you lose the, the match by one or you, you lose the sort of set 7-5 or whatever that you get really wild. But, but when you're losing 10-1 or your sixth love 
down in the set or you lose the set six loves, then, then really you get much more stirred up because you're humiliated. You can't cope with being seen that low, with being seen that stupid, with being shown up, with feeling such a sense of nothingness. And uh, that sent me on to this subject, I thought, of Christ in his humiliation and what he was willing and prepared to go through. I don't know how you cope with being humbled or being humiliated. It's a very relevant thing to us in life, especially relevant as we get older and weaker and perhaps unwell. Being humbled, humiliated, and we can take it in a slightly different direction as we start to think about this, and this is relevant to the passage. How do you feel when you don't get your own way? When you think you know what's best, and it suits you, and it's your plan, but it doesn't happen, and others don't think it's a good idea when you think this is what should happen a Saturday afternoon, when you think um, this is the film that we've got to watch together, when you think this is when the heating should be on, when you think this is what the church should follow as a new idea or return to as an old idea, and it doesn't happen, your advice is not taken, it doesn't go your way, you feel humbled by it. How do you find that? Well, this is the way the passage is introduced. Verse 3, Philippians 2. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Let's go then first to the bestaggered part, the bestaggered part this evening. As we think of his descent, the descent of Jesus, it's something that we think about at this time of year. He came down to earth from heaven. It's often the first carol in many services. And we think of how he stooped. And we think of his parents that he chose to come to. We think of his hometown. We think of his birthplace. We think, if you like, of his maternity ward. We think of his cot or his crib. Lo, within the manger lies he who built the starry skies. We think of his flight, heading off as a refugee perhaps to another country to avoid trouble. At this time of year we think of his descent and we see it in some of the phrases here in Philippians 2. We're looking especially at verses 5 to 8. Um, It's not... The end of the story, humiliation is not the end of the story. It's followed by 9 to 11 and perhaps you know that and I want you to know that but that's not our focus this evening. This evening is thinking of his 
humbling, his humility, his humiliation. And I just want us to mull over some of the phrases and to be staggered and to have a sense of wonder. Let's put some up. Here's first a couple of, if you like, summarising phrases within it. He emptied himself. Verse 7. He humbled himself. Verse 8. A lot in both phrases, but it was this particular thought from those two is is the route that Jesus chose. This is the route that he chose. Emptied himself, humbled himself. When I started to think of roller coasters, it made me think of the Specsaver advert. I don't know if you've seen it in the past, um, with the two older ladies and a cheese sandwich. They're at some fairground and they're wanting to find somewhere to sit down to take their lunch. And unwittingly they sit on a roller coaster and then of course it whisks them off and they experience uh, the ride of their lives. Well, Jesus didn't unwittingly descend down. He didn't just accidentally find himself in that place. It says he emptied himself. He humbled himself. Most of our humblings are, are not by choice. We, we avoid it if we can. We endure it if we have to. But Jesus chose that route. He emptied himself. He humbled himself. We could look at some phrases which, if you like, point to Christmas Day or this time of year, the things that we're thinking of. This would be one from the passage in verse 6. Who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. He did not count it a thing to be grasped. He let go of the enjoyment of glory. He was in very nature God. That's how we're to take the phrase, the form of God. He was in the very nature God. And there, there were many things that were rightfully his alongside his father. What would those things be that were rightfully his alongside his father? Well, glory, honour, privilege, bliss, respect, harmonious relationships, if you like, in the, in the corridors of heaven, a perfect environment, respectful treatment, and yet he let them go. He forewent them, if we can put it like that. Mild he lays his glory by, born that man no more may die. 
where we hold on tight, don't we, to our comforts and our rights and our honour. And the season is not about just ditching them for the sake of it. That's asceticism, where you just sort of purposely deprive yourself, really, for no good reason. But Jesus, out of love and under the call of his Father, gave things up. Didn't grasp them. Let them go. He was the, if you like, the opposite to Adam. Adam who assumed that he should have the same privileges as God. And yet Christ who was willing to give up those privileges and let them go. We're so very sensitive, aren't we, about how we are to be treated. That's no way to speak to me, we say. I'm not going to have anyone treat me like that. I deserve better than that. We're not saying there's never a place to stand on our rights and our privileges. But it is amazing, isn't it, what Jesus was willing to let go. Another phrase related to Christmas Day, if you like. The form of a servant, verse 7. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. He put others' needs before his own. Wonderfully demonstrated, wasn't it, when he says, let me see your dirty feet. Give me that towel. Give me that basin. And he knelt down and washed the disciples' dirty feet. In the form of God, yet also taking on the form of a servant. Go out for a a special meal, perhaps as a family. Maybe it's uh, somebody's special birthday, perhaps an older member within the group. You're round the table, you start to make certain sort of assessments and values of people in the situation. There's the lady whose birthday it is and all the fuss is on her and what, what she wants most happens and she has the attention and the best seat and, and then you're there, maybe you're next to your brother and you feel well a little bit on a level with your brother or sister, you're the sort of same level and, and then somebody comes who's the, the waiter and, and their concern is all the needs of everyone else and you sort of feel that they're lower down the, the pecking order, you've got a bit of a pecking order in your mind and Jesus comes and he comes, if you like, as the waiter meeting the needs of others. He came in the form of a servant. Amazing that he came, but he came in the form of a servant. He came in the likeness of men, verse 7. Being born in the likeness of men. In flesh and bone experiencing aches and pains. The creator becoming like those he created. 
And that's just a mind-boggling thing. He takes on humanity, but without any moral failing, of course. The infinite God, somehow in human nature, experiencing living out in the confinement of humanity. Some of us sang this morning, King of all days, O so highly exalted, glorious in heaven above, humbly you came to the earth you created, all for love's sake became poor. And we sang at the outset, I was trying to scribble it down. Lord of infinity, takes on humanity, kneels in humility and washes our feet. So in this great descent, did not count things I think to be grasped, took on the form of a servant, came in the likeness of men. Some of the phrases in this passage related, if you like, to Christmas Day. And then we have a a couple of phrases, really, that are related to Good Friday. It carries on. Obedient to death. Verse 8. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. Maybe you thought it was low enough that he should come. You know, we're just sort of going down the stairs here, aren't we? He's come, he's come as a human, he's come as a servant. You think, well, that's enough, you know, that's that's wonderful enough. We We can halt things there, that's amazing. But he goes, obedient, following the plan of his father to the point of death. It was necessary. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin, the Bible tells us. And he is willing to go that low. We might have drawn a line above that and said, no, you can't go any further down. But he is willing to go further down and to experience death. And his treatment was humiliating. I was struck uh, this week, just reading through Luke, it's been a sort of a bit of an Advent reading to go through Luke, it's 24 chapters, so I'm a, a little bit behind. But in chapter 18 and verse 32, pointing to what would happen to him, for he will be delivered over to the Gentiles and will be mocked and shamefully treated and spit upon. So obedient, down to death, losing life. Having his last breath. Being motionless. Just, just beyond taking in, isn't it? The Lord of glory, the Son of God should take on human nature and descend to that point. And then when you think the roller coaster has bottomed out, you think you can't go any further down, you get to this, this last phrase, again related to Good Friday. 
even death on a cross. It's as if the writer is almost shocked to go down this far. Even, even death on a cross. Verse 8. In polite Roman society, the cross was an obscenity never to be mentioned in conversation. The Roman orator Cicero called it a most cruel and disgusting punishment. Roman citizens weren't allowed to be crucified. It was for slaves and rebels and anarchists. He just plummeted so low to take the curse for us by dying on the tree, the cross, so that we could be spared the forsakenness that would come from God. He himself got to the point of saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Plummeted so low in his humility, his humiliation, his lowliness. We have a saviour who is gentle and lowly in heart. We have a saviour who rode into Jerusalem lowly and riding on a donkey. So we should be amazed. Maybe you've felt that a bit of you as we've looked at these phrases. Amazed, staggered, wonder, thankful. Then we, we'll, we'll look more to finish at the other side, to be similar. We've gone from be staggered now to be similar. And our phrase is in verse 5 then for this, which is how it starts. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ. Jesus. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, as it is in some other translations. And it makes us think, uh, am I like Jesus? Would I like to be like Jesus? So this is a wonderful awe-inspiring passage which we've wanted to, to be amazed at but it, it is in here as really a, a practical push to how people should be in their lives. There was obviously a bit of rivalry happening at, uh, at Philippi. You get a sense of that with uh, a couple of them in the last chapter but maybe there was some pushiness and there was some stubbornness and quite a bit of selfishness going on in the life of the church. Uh, People were thinking too much of themselves. It was a a me-first attitude, looking after number one. And they needed to have a different mind, a different mindset. Let this mind, this outlook, this attitude infiltrate the way you are. How might we apply this? 
In what ways should it work in our lives to have a, a mindset which is one of humility, lowliness? Well, we might think of uh, big things. Well, well, well you know, I, I'm going to undertake a big project to help the homeless in London. Or I'm going to go across to another continent and do a work amongst the slums. And that would be a, an amazing um, sort of fallout of something like this. But the way it's applied here is much more immediate than that. It's much more, if you like, within reach. It's much more closer to home. He's saying, have this attitude, and we could imply it in... in in church life. He's talking about the way they are together. Not aware of big tugs of war in the life of our church. Maybe I'm just oblivious, but I'm hopeful that's not the case. But it's very easy for there to be contention in churches. People trying to pull everything their own way. This is the way I think it should be. This is the way I think the services should be sorted. This is the new idea that I think we should implement. People wanting what suits them. People wanting what will give them a buzz. What will puff them up. Will suit them. Will promote them. And in church life, this message is let this mind be in you. Which was also in Christ Jesus. But, just in church life, surely we can uh, be think of it in terms of close relationships. It's talking about relationships here. Marriage. Husbands and wives. But not just marriage, other close friendships that you have. Always pushing for what we want. Always expecting others to listen and not the other way round. Always wanting others to yield and give way. Causing friction, frostiness, difficulties in the Christian marriage or the Christian friendship. And I know relationships are jolly complicated and there's all sorts of things going on. But sometimes, isn't it just a lack of being humble like Christ and remembering our Saviour that he was willing to give way. He was willing to be concerned for the other. And of having that same mindset in ourselves. Think of the difficulties in in. In your, if, you, if, you, if you're married or in a friendship that you have, the, the, the difficulties you're working through at the minute, you, we, we all work through them, aren't we? You we have difficulties, so pick one. Just give you a moment to pick, uh, pick a difficulty that you're working through. I 
Will having a Christ-like spirit of humility and unselfishness go some way to making it a better situation? Maybe very complicated. You may say, well, you're being far too simple this evening. Well, maybe I am, but I suspect it will be a beam of light. Maybe it won't solve the whole situation, but a good number of situations, it will ease things. Be similar. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. And then, let's just apply it one other way. How can we apply this? Well, even over the days of Christmas, even over the days of Christmas, you know, we can, we can make these holiday and festive days all about us, can't we? And we're looking forward to having nice times and we're thankful for that and there'll be a bit about that in the morning. Um, But we can be very much taken up with what I want it to be. I want to have a good time. I want to be well rested. Others can wash up. Others can lay the table. The way we organise the afternoon has to be the way that suits me because that's the way that I like it. And as we think of such things, wrestle with them maybe in our own heart, have this mind among yourselves which is yours through Christ Jesus. So be staggered, amazed, the descent of Christ, be similar in humility, love and unselfishness. We're going to go on to our last hymn in a minute. I just want to introduce it actually. I think Mark introduced his last hymn this morning and I'm going to do the same this evening. Um, I used to get the courier. I don't get it anymore. And uh, I remember once looking at the Ken Sussex Courier, that's our local paper, and uh, I was looking at some of the football, ta- the youth football tables. Uh, I can't remember the exact age group. I think it was the under 12s, but uh, none of you can check. So, but it was. I think it's, I assume it was the under 12s. And uh, I noticed that uh, Staplehurst were bottom. Staplehurst were bottom, and uh, they had no points. So that wasn't very nice for them. But what struck me even more was their goal difference, which I think, if I remember rightly, was minus 122. And what struck me most about the scene, and seemed most amusing at the time, was their name, because they were called Staplehurst Monarchs. Staplehurst Monarchs. And I thought, well, look, look, look at that, Monarchs. That's not very kingly, is it? to be lying so badly at the bottom of the table. And I thought, hmm, actually, there's a bit of a pointer to Jesus there, who was a king who was willing to be so low for our sakes. And it leads nicely on to our last song this evening, which is The Servant King which is a wonderful song with a very practical outwork. From heaven you came, helpless babe, entered our world your glory vowed, not to be served, but to serve, and give your life that we might live. And in the chorus, this is our God, 
the servant king. He calls us now to follow him, to bring our lives as a daily offering of worship to the servant king.
Oh Lord, we have to confess that we find it so easy to be selfish, so easy to be proud. We find it very hard to be humble and lowly and give way and to let go of things. We're sorry for the ways in which we've failed in this. And we're amazed at the attitude of Jesus and how far down he was willing to go, how much he was willing to let go out of love for us and in accordance with your will. And we pray that at this Christmas time we might be amazed afresh by all that he is and all that he has done and that we might be boosted in our own mindset to be more thoughtful of others and more humble ourselves. And this we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.